This Sunday is Mother's Day. Many of you wear the label mom. You know, just saying that word makes me miss my mom. My mom's been in heaven for two Mother's Days now, and she was a wonderful mom. Doug and I were both so blessed with having godly, beautiful, fun-loving moms. You know, if my mom could say anything to me right now, this is what I know she would say. She would say, soon. I'll see you soon. See, when you're in heaven for eternity, a few years, three score and ten, they're, they're nothing. Mom would say, see you soon, and so don't waste today. Use today for God's glory. Live every good minute of it for God's glory. I'll see you soon. I love that phrase. My daughter Tina came up with that phrase when we were saying goodbye at the beginning of this coronavirus thing, you know. She said, Mom, I'm not saying goodbye anymore. I'm just saying see you soon. I said, I love that. I'm gonna, it's my new word, soon, soon. And dear class, I will see you soon. And we will be together soon. And I can't wait, but until that soon time happens, this is Sunday School, and this coming Mother's Day, here's Mother's Day Sunday School. Well, I want to talk to you not about just the label of mom, but a broader label. Matter of fact, it's a label that is sweeter and higher. It's more elevated than even the label mom. Do you want to know what that is? Because you wear it. You wear it, dear lady. This is the label God gives to every one of us who know him as Savior. This is the label from my Father. And it's found in Psalm 45, verse 13. It says, The king's daughter is all glorious within. You're the king's daughter. That's your label. That's my label. I'm the king's daughter. Now, are you sitting with a girl right now? Because if you are, you need to tell her, you're glorious within. You're the king's daughter. I'm sitting with Trina, and I'm saying to Trina, Trina, you are all glorious within. You're the king's daughter. And if you're sitting alone, you especially need to say, I am glorious within. I'm the king's daughter. You see, I love speaking God's truth into my unglorious moments if I'm feeling alone. You know what I've discovered by taking this discipline of speaking God's word into my moments, especially my unglorious ones, it works my faith. You see, my faith is God's word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when I put God's word into my moment, I'm exercising my faith, I'm stirring my faith, I'm speaking my faith. And then God does his work because it's, it's by faith. God loves to work in my faith. He doesn't work in my sadness. He doesn't work in my anger. He doesn't work in my revenge. He doesn't work in all those carnal reactions, but oh, how he delights to work when I speak my faith. Now, something else I discovered as a daughter of the king, being all glorious within, when I speak my faith into my unglorious moments, it stops me from speaking other things into those moments. You know, when I speak my faith, I'm not whining. And whining is so contagious. It's more contagious than this coronavirus, especially if you have little ears around you. You know how your whining all of a sudden is heard through their mouths? You heard about the, the busy mom who had invited a number of people to dinner, and they were all seated around the table. 
And I'm sure that mom sat down and gave a little sigh of relief. And then the dad asked their six-year-old daughter to say the blessing. Oh, daddy, I wouldn't know what to say. Well, honey, just say what you hear mommy say. Little daughter bowed her head and said, Oh, Lord, why did I invite all these people? <laughs> so the next time you want to gripe or whine, this is what I've learned to say. It's so freeing. This is what I say. I'm glorious within. I'm glorious within. I'm the king's daughter. It reminds me whose I am. And it reminds me of what he's going to do for me because I can't do it. But he's the king, and he has promised to. You know, many of you, dear moms, are going to get some sweet gifts this Sunday. Maybe it's a handmade card. Maybe it's a bouquet of flowers. Or maybe it's some sparkly dollar store jewelry because the dollar stores have all been declared essential. They're about the only stars, stores that are open. So, you know, there's going to be a there's gonna be a big rush on anything that glitters at the dollar store, and you're probably going to unwrap it. And you know those gifts are so precious. They are a declaration of love, and it makes it affects our heart. It touches our heart. But because I'm a daughter of the king, do you know what he does? He changes my heart. The greatest, the greatest gift as a daughter of the king is that he changes our heart. What you and I have, because we are daughters of the king, is an elevated position that doesn't evaporate when we're down in the dumps. It'll never wear out as our day wears us out. God's mercies are new every morning for the daughters of the king. As we age, as my age ages, and age has become such a, a point of conversation now that we're in this lockdown. You know, they're protecting we age it. <laughs> that age was what started out at 65. Now it's 60. Well, I blew by both those markers a long time ago. And so as I amusingly remind my husband, as he says, you know, at home, he has to take care of the, um, the elderly. I said, I'm not elderly. I'm eternal. I am eternal. As, as I age, my spirit is as young as the moment it began. Matter of fact, God promises to me as his daughter that, that I will take wings as an eagle. That's, that's a gift. That's unbelievable. And I have that and you have that as a daughter of the king. We should never get over it. He's our father. He's our creator. He's our redeemer. And at salvation, his spirit takes up residence in that God-made, God-prepared place in which he meant to dwell. And do you know why? Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons why. The why of God's plan. But here's just one of them. So I will never be alone. You will never be alone as daughter of the king. He's always with me. And that's just one glaring facet that we have as daughters of the king. But the very fact of God being with me. Do you know what else that is for? You're going to love this. Because we girls really relate to this. It's for friendship. It is for friendship. We women are wired for friendship. We're designed for friendship. We love sharing and talking and laughing with our friends. Our moments are more because we girls know how to share our moments. We love sharing our thoughts, our dreams, our disappointments, our pursuits, our accomplishments. I have a wonderful Sunday school class. You ladies are the best.
Well, the fun times that we get to spend together, and we will, ready? Soon, soon we will. Part of the reason the Kobiak ladies retreats are such a joy to my heart is because often a big group of my Sunday school class, we go there together and we get this togetherness time. Well, there's a lady in our class. Her name is Louise. Now, Louise is my hero, and this is why. Louise went down the Kobiak zip line. I mean, this it's, it's a scary, it's, it's, a, it's a good zip line. Now, guess what? She was well over 75 when she did this, and that was a few years ago. And guess what the first thing she did when she got to the end? She took off her helmet, she unhinged her harness, she whipped out her cell phone, and she called her sister. See, she just had to share. She just had to share this wonderful moment. I love that. It's how we are. Now, God made us that way because he wants us to understand that he wants us to share our thoughts with him, to share our dreams, to share, to share our times. He says, walk with me. He says, come and dine. He says, call unto me. These are all invitations to be with him. Our accomplishments, our disappointments, our dreams, our goals, he wants them shared because he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. It's actually called praying. It's prayer. It's communication. And that's how friendships are built. How do I build my friendship with my Heavenly Father as his daughter? I pray. So often we try everything else. We do everything else. And when nothing else works, we finish it. Pray. <laughs> there is not a deep friendship that is built when I'm only ever there because something's gone wrong. Now let me say that again. Let that sink in. Never is there a deep friendship that is built when I'm only there because something has gone wrong. Have any of you ever had a friend like that? You know, they're a really needy, needy friend. And they only call when they need help, and then you're their best friend. They don't even want help. They just want to whine. They want to go over and over about how bad it is and how awful it is and how hard it is. And no matter what they do, it doesn't make a difference. Like a whiny kid on a miserable trip that just won't end. Let me tell you about a trip like that. It was Daniel and Trina, my sweet daughter and son-in-law, and their three little ones. Now, the three little ones are all two years apart. At this particular stage, they were four, six, and eight years old. And we had taken a family trip to the Creation Museum. We had a blast. It was beautiful. Then it was time to go home. So we all got in our separate cars, Trina and Daniel, Caitlin, Autumn, and Caleb, piled into their van, and it was a long trip. The roads were bumpy, they were curvy, and our Caitlin gets really car sick. And sure enough, Caitlin gets terribly sick. Caleb, who at this time is four years old, is not a good traveler. He just wants to be out of that car seat. And he is demanding, he is pulling, he is wanting out of that car seat. So then, 
Autumn, who's right in the middle, she she steps up to the whiny plate and she goes, oh, I can't stand this. I just want to be home. I don't like being in this car and my panties are too big and now they're all twisted. <laughs> Sometimes doesn't it seem like that describes our life? I just want to be home. I don't want to be where I'm at. More than that, my panties are all twisted. <laughs> Do you know our Heavenly Father promises that his spirit resides in you and me just to help us in those very unglorious moments. I get to be a partaker of his divine nature. He makes available to me the choice to choose in this horrible moment. I don't have to live unto my fallen carnal responses and nature. I get to live from his. Well, it begins with praying. Praying in those unglorious moments. Jesus says, call unto me. He says, come and dine. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? It's how friendships are built. But even more so, he wants me to know that I have available a working faith, a faith that's going to work in every moment. I'm not a victim. I'm, I'm not a victim. There's no victory if I live as a victim, as a mom, as a sister, as a daughter, as a, as a worker. I'm a daughter of the king. Inspiration. This word of God is inspiration. It gives me the right information. That's the YBH that we talk about in Senate. Yeah, but how? How do I do this? God's word is inspired and it tells me how. But if it does not have personal application, there will never be transformation. Now, let me put that in a very simple um, sentence to plant in your head. Inspiration, information without practical application will never bring about transformation. God says, daughter, I want to do something grand in you that only I can do. Pray, talk to me. Now I'm sure there are angels in heaven. They're looking over the portals of heaven and and, and they're going, oh, that, that's the king's daughter. She's not very glorious within. <laughs> you know what my heavenly father says? Just wait. Just wait. She is taking inspiration. She's got the information, and she's going to start applying it. And when she does, you can't believe what I am going to do in and through her. So... Here are two ways where inspiration leads to transformation. Number one, we talked a little bit about it. First, pray. Why? Well, because it builds friendship. Acknowledging him in all my ways. Proverbs 3. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Uh, wow. Yeah, but how? Well, it tells you right in the next verse. God never gives us a command without explaining how. Pray without ceasing. The next verse says, in everything, give thanks. That tells me how. Now I have to apply it. Do you know I've been reading Psalm 119 every day during this COVID virus, and there's a verse in Psalm 119. Now, we're not sure who wrote Psalm 119. I like to think that it's David, but most I believe the scholars believe it was Ezra. But this is KJV, this is Kathy Jackson version. 
Um, Psalm 19 is, 119 is so filled with passion. It's filled with song. It's filled with declaring. I will speak. I will sing. I will never forget thy testimonies, you know. And so with all that, and, and God describes David as a man who wholeheartedly loved him. So, you know, Psalm 119 to me, I just want to think that it's David who writes it. Would you know what he writes in the middle of Psalm 119? He says, seven times a day, I stop and praise God. Wow. Now, there's a good discipline to put in my day. There's a good way to pray. Deliberately, deliberately, seven times a day, I on purpose. If you look back at yesterday, how many times did you praise God? How many times did you thank God? Boy, I just heard a wonderful sermon from Doug on, on giving thanks. We live so naturally ungrateful, and no wonder our days feel awful. Boy, when you start putting inspiration and then the yeah, but how into practical application, it's transforming. Giving thanks, giving praise, and everything give thanks. I had the privilege yesterday of having the grandchildren over. And uh, they, they are the same. It's Caitlin, Autumn, and Caleb. And in the morning, we were doing school because Trina and Daniel are very busy um, Zooming and, and teaching classes. And so I got to do the schooling uh, for the three yesterday morning. Now, Caitlin and Autumn, they're, they're pretty much on their own. They, are, they just get right to it and do it, and their teachers were on their devices, you know. But Caleb, Caleb and I sit side by side. Caleb is eight. And we were going to start out with his spelling words. And it's a beautiful day. The sun was shining. And what eight-year-old wants to sit at the table with grandma and do school? Well, yeah, I get it. So some of you moms and dads are saying, I don't want to sit at the table and do school. So I said, Caleb, before we begin, let's pray. Let's pray. And thank God for one thing. Can you tell grandma one thing you're thankful for? Nope. You can't. One thing? Nope. Well, you know why? Because he's thinking about everything else he wants to do. Now he's, now he's sitting here and Grandma's asking him to tell him what. Don't we get like that? If you think of your day yesterday and you didn't stop seven, eight times throughout your day and praise God, you know what? We just so naturally gravitate to the worst of us. It's where the angels roll their eyes and say, she's not glorious within. She's graping within. You don't have to. We don't have to stay there. So I said to Caleb, well, Caleb, Grandma can think of one thing. Grandma can think of one. I'm so thankful. And he was looking out the, we've got big patio doors that he was looking out. He's watching the squirrels chase each other. I can think of one thing I'm thankful for. Eyes to see. I get to see those squirrels, but even better than that, I get to see you, Caleb. I get to see you. I'm so happy I get to see you. I'm going to thank God for that right now. And so I quickly prayed, and I thanked God for Caleb and the time we had and the time, and the fact that I could see Caleb, and that we could see our first spelling word. You know what our first spelling word was? Diligent. You know what diligent means? So I said to Caleb, Caleb, we could see this word. We're going to write it, but first of all, we're going to talk about it. I want you to do more than spell it. I want you to know what it is. You know what diligent means? I will not quit. And with that, we repeated it. And we got as loud and obnoxious and as fun as we could. And then you know what we did? We got out of our chairs and we bounced to every word. I will not quit. Diligence. Uh, and we were like Tigger all over the living room. And here's Caleb laughing 
challenging grandma to jump higher and jump more. So we jumped it out and then we sat down and we rode it. And then we spent the next little bit of time working hard on our schoolwork, but with a different spirit. Do you know what we did? We ran in when we needed a break and we told the girls who were studying in another room, Caleb's gonna tell you what diligence means. And he bounced up, I will not quit. We called somebody on the phone. We said, we're going to tell you what diligence means. And Caleb said, I will not quit. Pretty soon it was lunchtime. And we fixed hot dogs and watermelon and corn on the cob. And we brought it out. And of course, I'm a foodie. I'm, I'm loving food. And I'm thanking God for it all the time I'm making it. Thank you, God, for hot dogs. Thank you, God, for watermelon. Thank you, God, that the grandkids are here and we get to eat it together. And Caleb's helping me carry it out. We step outside the patio door to put it on the big coffee table outside. And you know what Caleb said? Grandma, I'm thankful for lunch. <laughs> yeah. You see, it's catching, but it's got to be promoted. And it doesn't come unless we pray about it. So number one, pray without ceasing. Learn to give thanks in the very most basic ways. This, this Mother's Day, a lot of you moms are going to receive gifts and, and you're going to receive a lot of thank yous. When, when your children tell you thank you, what does it do to your heart? It just creates a tenderness. It, it develops a gratefulness, a friendship. Well, I thank God for my father. And when I do, I thank him that he's my king. I thank him that I'm his daughter. And what the Spirit of God does inside of me it fills my heart and my mind with all that I have because I'm a daughter of the king. I'm glorious within. So number one, first pray. Number two, pray in the problem. Pray in the problem. Some of you are saying, well, that's how I pray without ceasing because my life's just one problem after another. Well, praying in the problem. This is God's plan for me to pray in my problem because it stops me from acknowledging everything else that's going wrong as I acknowledge God in my problem. It cuts off the choking anger. It cuts off the wrong words. It cu cuts off the bitterness. It immediately changes my focus when I pray in the problem. I can't remember the name of the author. It's one of my favorite authors, and it just slips my mind right now. But she, she gives this illustration about her son. Um, he was a three-year-old terror. And she said she had tried everything and read all the discipline books. And he just, you know, he was beyond all of those things. And she was at her wit's end. And finally, in a spiritual-inspired moment, the Holy Spirit said, pray with him. Pray with him before you administer any punishment before you even talk to him just pray with him and so she began doing that and she said I could not believe the difference it made so for a week this is just working great well then one day this little heathen did something I think it's when he took the scissors to the curtains and she came barreling down the hallway. She said she was like a locomotive. And her one thought was, get the kid, get the kid, get the kid. And she was approaching him. And she hovered over him. And the little boy looks up at, at her with, with great fear and puts his hands up and he says, Mama, pray! 
He knew prayer made a difference. Prayer did make a difference. Prayer made a difference in mama. Prayer made a difference for him. Prayer changes everything. But best of all, dear daughter of the king, it changes me. It allows me that beautiful moment to stop and to become a partaker of God's divine nature. Pray in the problem. It's God's plan. See, it stops the railing. God's word says, don't give railing for railing. Say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. It stops my revenge from, from escalating. God's plan gives hope. I love that. It changes your words. When you're, when you're disciplining, when, when you're in an unglorious moment, and you, you reference the God of all hope in your verbiage, it comes out as, we can do better. I know, we, I know. Let, let's try again. Don't give up. Diligence. I know we can do this. I can do all things through Christ. I love power statements from the word of God. I love, I love the statement, it shall be well. I can't take time to go into that, but this was a fabulous power statement from a dear mom whose son had just died in her lap. And she stands up and she lays the son down on the prophet's bed and she goes to get ready to do the next right thing. And she's asked a question like, what do you want? And she said, no, it shall be well. Oh, I can't tell you how many times when I don't know what to do, I voice the powerful word of God, the inspired word of God, it shall be well. And immediately, the Spirit of God ministers to my heart the truth of this. It shall be well. I'm the king's daughter. He's my father. He does what I cannot do. If you're a daughter of the king, the king of all hope, give hope to those in your charge, whether they're your children, your students, who's ever in your bubble, your husband, your parents, Give hope to those who feel hopeless. One Sunday afternoon, I looked up over the newspaper I was reading and noticed a rather distraught, unhappy look on the face of six-year-old Jonah. What's wrong, buddy? Oh, nothing. You sure? Yeah. I looked back to the newspaper, but my mind wasn't on the words. I was thinking of yesterday afternoon, the soccer game, and the miserable little kid who had called Jonah a klutz. I put the paper down and I pulled Joe up on my knee. You know, buddy, I've been thinking a lot lately about some of the things you're really good at. Me? Yes. Do you know you're incredibly good at being friendly to other kids? Yeah. Do you know that you're good at making the baby laugh? And do and you know what else you're good at? You say you're ours very clearly now. And you know what else? You remember to brush your teeth. Jonah's whole demeanor changed before my eyes. His posture changed. His expression changed. His eyes took on a sparkle. He soaked up praise like a dry sponge. Dad, let's write these down, he said. Write what down? Write down the things I'm good at. He wanted to preserve them. Where? I glanced around looking for a piece of paper. Jonah looked around too but saw nothing appropriate in the living room to write on. Here. He said, right here on my hand. Write with your pen on my hand all the things that I'm good at. Well, I did, the dad says. And he didn't wash his hand until his mama made him. Oh, the God of all hope. Pray. Pray first. Then pray in the problem. And the God of all hope 
will give you exactly what you need to spread that hope on. And then lastly, pray because it brings peace. I love the verse that's, that tells me, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace that passes all understanding shall keep your heart and your mind. Your daughter of the king, there are many times you feel like we're losing our mind. God says, no, don't you lose your mind. Let me help you keep it. Pray. Pray. Not only does God supply a peace when I pray, but he restores my song. See, he's the God of all hope. He restores my song. He gives me a new song at salvation. I let life snatch my song, and God says, let me restore it. Pray. I'll restore your song. Many years ago, two Americans were crossing the Atlantic on a Sunday night. They were singing the hymn, Jesus, Lover of My Soul. They were joined by a third party who had a very rich tenor voice. It's unusually good. When the music stopped, one of the Americans turned to the third party to ask if he'd been in the Civil War. The man replied, yes, I was a Confederate soldier. Then he was asked if he was at a certain place on a certain night, and the man replied, yes. And it's curious because something happened that night, and this song has brought it all back to my memory. You see, I was a sentry on duty at the edge of the woods. It was a dark, cold night, and I was really frightened. I felt homesick. I felt miserable. And about midnight, when everything was as dark and still, and I was as filled as fear as I've ever been, I thought I would comfort myself by singing a hymn. And it just so happens it was the hymn we just sang together. After I sung these words, a strange peace came on me. And through the rest of the night, I felt no fear. <clears throat> well, said the other man listening to the story, I was a Union soldier. And I was in the woods that night with a party of scouts. I saw you standing in the woods. My men focused their rifles on you. But when you began to sing, we listened. We could not fire. I whispered to my men, put your guns down. Let's go back. Hmm. You sing in your unglorious moments? You sing because that's a part of praying, that's a part of communicating as we're instructed to sing. Now your song in your dark time might not stop a bullet, but I tell you what it does do. It stills the fears in your heart. And secondly, it gives a message to others that will so affect them. Your song. So sing. So dear daughter of the king, First of all, pray. Why? It builds your friendship. Secondly, pray first because it stops a whole lot of bad stuff, a whole lot of carnal stuff from happening. Then pray in the problem because God delights to work in my faith. And when I pray in faith believing, God does what only he can do. And so, 
daughter of the king? Say right now, I'm glorious within. Thank you, Father. I'm going to learn to pray to deepen our friendship, to produce a song that others might hear, and to live with a peace that passes understanding. And I say to you, I'll see you soon.